Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Chief Stockwatch Podcast. Let's ring the bell. Joining me today, I've got Arrowhead Pride's finest, Jared Sapp. He is joining me as well. Jared, how you doing today, man? Uh, doing great. Ready for some Chiefs football. These OTA looks we're getting are, they're just not really hitting the spot after Super Bowl win. Yeah, it, it does feel a little bit suppressed, especially because we get a lot more ac- access at training camp compared to this. So you really are just kind of relying on a few videos that the Chiefs themselves put out. Um, before we get talking football, let's uh, talk a little something a little bit bigger than football. We did want to bring up the passing of Norma Hunt, who was kind of the first lady of football here in Kansas City, and not just in Kansas City, but in the AFL and what eventually became the NFL. You know, I thought it was ironic that when the Chiefs were at the White House uh, visiting President Biden, she was the first lady of football and the president himself gave her a moment of silence. Uh, Norma Hunt and the Hunt family are just, you know, a massive family for sports not just here in Kansas City, but they also are part of uh, the soccer scene. You know, they've gone, she's the only woman to attend every Super Bowl game ever. They've attended World Cup games. They help they help uh, own or found. I'm not sure the Dallas FC uh, MLS team. The Hunt family owns the Missouri Mavericks, which is a minor league hockey team up here. They are just a a beacon of sports, and Norma Hunt will certainly be missed. And she was, you know, she just did so much for Kansas City and helped support them. You know, the saying, there's always a great woman behind a great man. And Lamar Hunt was certainly a great man. And she will be dearly missed here in Kansas City. And I mean, I live in Fort Worth. I mean, the imprint of that family in the Dallas Fort Worth area, it isn't as flashy as their imprint in Kansas City, but I mean, it's all over and they do own. Um, the FC Dallas football team, Clark Hunt's brother, Dan, is kind of the face of that. Very special lady to a lot of people and very sad. Very sad to see kind of this era continuing to just pass on. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, Clark has obviously done a great job of being kind of the face of the Chiefs. And um, I did think it was interesting. Nate Taylor mentioned in one of his pieces in The Athletic that Gracie has already kind of started to attend some of the meetings with him and stuff. So it already looks like that might be who's being tapped for eventually whenever Clark steps down. Because you don't just you don't just join the the owners group. Right. Like you've got to be tried and true and really have to kind of be allowed allowed into the club. But, yeah, I'm just happy that Miss Norma, as Patrick Calder, got to go out seeing the Chiefs win another Super Bowl. Um, that, that was very cool. I went, of course, was re-watching the Super Bowl again last night in bed in the middle of June. And um, they showed videos of her. You know, I saw some clips of her on the sidelines and stuff as the confetti was flying. It was very cool. But let's talk something a little little bit more lighter. Uh, here on the Chiefs Talk Watch podcast, we like to play some games. We kind of gamify our Chiefs' opinions. Uh, and, of course, we're going to start off with a classic, buy or sell. These are four Chiefs takes. And, Jared, 
I want you to tell me if you're buying or selling. Obviously, if you're buying them, you believe it, you agree. If you're selling, you're not totally all the way agreeing with it. So we'll start with the inevitable. I mean, it can't be a, a summer podcast without talking about should the chief or the the chief should bring in DeAndre Hopkins. Are you buying or selling that? I'm going to sell at what DeAndre Hopkins seems to think his current value is with the caveat that I will buy all day if the price gets low enough. Given what we know now and the money he seems to think that he's going to get and that his expectations are based on what Odell Beckham Jr. got, I'm probably going to go with sell on this one. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I, I really tried to not answer every question about a free agent with like, well, if the money's right, just because sometimes... Sometimes you just got to like throw that to the wind a little bit, right? Like Juwan Taylor, the Chiefs made a huge investment in him. Right now he's the highest right, right ta- highest paid right tackle in football. And that's what you're going to do in free agency. I'm going to say yes. I obviously, I don't want to see them lock up, you know, some huge massive deal to him. But here's my thing. There's about two wide receivers on the Chiefs right now that I really care about them long-term and what they become. And that's Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice. Justin Ross is a, is a lottery ticket. Uh, MVS is basically, you know, he could be on the team next year, but there's a good chance that he's not. Uh, Justin Watson, any other investment that the Chiefs have at wide receiver is very short term. Rasheed Rice and Sky Moore are really the only long term investments this team has at wide receiver. As long as bringing in a player like DeAndre Hopkins isn't hindering them, which I don't think he would, especially this year, because again, Rasheed Rice is kind of in that hopper, that system where he's going to take a year to develop. I think bringing in DeAndre Hopkins makes the Chiefs Travis Kelsey injury proof. Obviously, that doesn't mean he can't get injured, but I think he is. If if Travis Kelsey goes down, this offense is scary. Like I believe in Andy, I believe in Pat, I believe in this offensive line, but you're not talking about a top five offense without Travis Kelsey. I'm sorry, it, it's just probably not going to happen week in week out against the best defenses in the NFL, and we don't know what's going to happen. He's been insanely ha- healthy his whole career, but things change. Bringing in DeAndre Hopkins, not only is it just the kind of like 31 other teams just go, geez, man, are you serious? But also you're keeping them away from another contender, whether it be in the AFC or the NFC. And you're making you're making it yourself Travis Kelsey proof because they do quite a few of the same things. And I, I do think that he still has something left in the tank. Now, with all that being said, yes, the money has to be right. Like we don't want to see some massive deal with a ton of guaranteed money for a guy who's had some injury issues the last two years and also had a PED suspension. Right. And the thing that I keep seeing is, well, the Chiefs can just extend Chris Jones and then they'll have cap space for DeAndre Hopkins. It doesn't I don't think it's going to quite work that way. In fact, I think the Chiefs would probably have an easier time swallowing some cash for DeAndre Hopkins if they don't extend Chris Jones and they find other ways to open that cap space. Because if you extend Chris Jones, there's a good chance you're spending 70 million dollars in one day, either on a signing bonus or putting money away for his future guarantees. So I just, I see that take all the time and it's just not going to be that simple. Jared Sapp noted our cap expert here at Arrowhead pride brings up a great point, And that is cap and cash, right? Uh, the, the former chiefs GM who used to say that all the time, Carl Peterson cap and cash. They're not the same thing. Any, any guaranteed contract, they're going to have to put that money in escrow. And if you're paying Chris, like, you're right. Odell Beckham is going to be kind of a moniker for uh, the DeAndre Hopkins contract. If you're extending Chris Jones, you're probably putting $70 million into equity or something like that. And then another 15, 20 for DeAndre Hopkins. 
don't get me wrong. I love my, uh, you know, my $10 beer, my $38 Chiefs t-shirts, but I don't even know if Clark Hunt's got that laying around. So, and the Chiefs aren't a huge cap or a cash spending team in a year to year basis. But it's also, it's June 6th. There's no team that's just sitting on $15 million in, in budget for this year waiting on a DeAndre Hopkins to come around. Like, I'm very curious. I mean, we all thought that um, we all thought Christian Kirk had made a whole lot of wide receivers a lot of money, and that just did not happen this cycle in free agency. I'm not sure that Odell Beckham has made DeAndre Hopkins the money people think he has. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I For Hopkins, this is gonna it's going to be one or two things, right? Either someone's going to give him enough money that he can't help himself, or he's going to, you know, end up going to somewhere like Kansas city, like the bills or something like that, where it's incentive laden. And he really does go kind of more because he is still getting paid by the Cardinals this year. No. So it, oh, no. does he not have any dead money or do he, not owe him any money? He has dead. That's another take that I see a lot on Twitter. The Cardinals, the dead money would have been the same if the Cardinals had traded Deandre Hopkins or cut him. He's not actually being paid any money from the Cardinals this year. They okay. have prorated portions of his signing bonus that they just have not charged against their salary cap. And the Cardinals, I think, know they're not going anywhere this year. So they don't really care that they have $22 million of cap space devoted to him because they weren't planning on spending it to have a backup quarterback throw to them anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I know sometimes, like, I think baseball does that sometimes where there's like a player who's like getting paid simultaneously from two teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's just, it's ultimately going to come down to that. I, I There's a lot of teams right now that have the cap space to sign him. Like Carolina makes a lot of sense. I know it doesn't fit his narrative that he wants to go to contender, but that's a team that has a young quarterback that they're trying to build around. And DeAndre Hopkins would be a young quarterback's best friend as far as just dump off after dump off. Um, and a guy who kind of always gets open, um, you know, Cleveland They've Browns. Kind of loaded up on X receivers though. They, they have yeah. X receivers like, like nothing else. Yeah, they do. Yeah, because Mingo was drafted there, and they've got uh, Thielen. They've got quite a few guys. Yeah, and Terrence Marshall is still there, too. Terrence Marshall, if his career takes off the way I thought it was going to. Yeah, I feel feel a little bit better because I was so sure that Terrence Marshall was going to be the thing, and I was upset that they drafted Nick Bolton, but that that worked it out. That worked out okay so far, (laughs) I would say. Um, All right, next next buy or sell is going to be the Chiefs are not – better at tackle in 2023 than they were in 2022 are you buying or selling that i'm i'm selling this one all that long i i'm going to trust that donovan smith can be what he was before this year um it's not a kyle long situation he's not even 30 years old uh he was at the podium at otas i think on the first media availability and Somebody said you're 31 and he corrected them that he actually does not turn 30 until later this month. Um, we're also talking an elbow. This isn't a knee. It isn't a back. I mean, I, I think that there should be some optimism that this is an injury that you can rebound from and have a couple of good years from. I think Juwan Taylor is on a different planet, better than Andrew Wiley. And I think, Donovan Smith will kind of be a wash with Orlando Brown. Yeah, I this is one that I've I, I still cannot wrap my head around the disliking of the Donovan Smith edition. Like you would think that this guy had like posted some real like Chiefs hate on social media or something. Um, I I know that he did not have a good year last year. I I I just I just frankly don't understand it. I do agree. Juwan Taylor is 
an upgrade over Andrew Wiley, especially because Andrew Wiley in the chief system was maxed out. Like he's not getting any better than he was last year, considering what the chiefs do to scheme around him, what they do to help him, his age, his draft status, all those type of things. Jawan Taylor, there's still upside. He's 25 years old. He came from a organization that had awful coaching year after year until this year with Doug Peterson. He's staying in the same system. He does what the chiefs do most often and pass blocking. Well, there's plenty of upside left. I think that's just an easy upgrade. And yes, do I think that it's possible that 2022 Orlando Brown was better than Donovan Smith? Yeah, I do. When uh, Donovan Smith played through some injuries, but do I think that the gap is really big for 2023? If Donovan Smith stays healthy? No, I don't think it's that big. And if you upgraded right tackle and at least stayed the same at left tackle, this isn't a huge downgrade. And Oh, by the way, you added a, a you know, a guy who has potential to swing back and forth with Wanya Morris. So I, I just have a hard time getting truly upset, especially because, Oh, a few days before Donovan Smith was added, everyone was in love with the idea of like, oh, well, we'll just have Juwan Taylor on the left tackle on the left side, a guy who's not really had a ton of success at the right side. We'll kick him over to the left side and just start this rookie at right tackle. That was a okay. But all of a sudden you kick him over to the right side and that's a bad contract. I just don't understand it. Like, I think we're kind of pat. We should be past the whole like, oh, left tackle should always get paid more because they're more important. Pass rushers line up on your weakest tackle either way. I. I've wondered how I suspect that the chiefs were planning to draft Anton Harrison in the first round. I suspect that that's who they were wanting to trade up for. And the Jaguars found out that day, their left tackle was about to be suspended. Um, I'm wondering what, how the narrative would be different if the chiefs had given Jawan Taylor the contract and then used a first round pick on a left tackle to where the perception is you'll have that spot taken care of at a cheap price for the duration of Taylor's contract. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not necessarily sure that I would have loved Harrison at 31 or if they would have had to trade up to getting, I mean, he was like tackle five or six in a pretty weak tackle class and a guy who, you know, plays in, I don't want to call it a gadgety offense, but plays in an offense that he had a lot to learn. Um, as far as coming to the NFL, I'm really surprised. Apparently the Jags are kicking him to the right side and putting Walker. Yeah, like the assumption was, oh, Walker will literally will play right tackle and they'll stick Harrison. No, they're, they're making Harrison switch. Uh, so I, I don't know what the plan is whenever Cam Robinson comes back. I know he's been pretty mediocre at his contract price anyway, so they're probably looking to move on in the long term anyway. They invested a second in Walker Little, but yeah, that that one's that one's weird to me. I, I just don't understand the basis of that take, especially whenever you consider like it's a one-year deal. I, I just don't have a lot of frustration. And like always, for some reason, the millionth time people fell for the whole like, oh, his contract is up to $9 million. And they're like, oh, $9 million guaranteed for that guy? How? It's like, well, up to up to is doing a lot of work here it's 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 two and probably three and then we'll see about the other six and like keep in mind what they were playing paying orlando brown jr last year on the tag they just got incredibly cheaper at left tackle for what will probably be the same level of play i can i can pallet that 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 works and who knows if it works out tackles play well i mean trent williams is like 34 35 and it's the best left tackle in football would anybody have been shocked if the Chiefs signed signed Orlando Brown to a deal worth twenty three million dollars annually? Would that have shocked anybody? No, I think it's what most people are planning. I think that's on. what most people expected. I mean, effectively, Juwan Taylor and Donovan Smith are going to make twenty three million dollars this year combined. Yeah, and and that's a good way to look at it. I haven't thought about it like that. 
Okay, next one. Here we go. Buying or selling? Isaiah Pacheco should be considered a running back one. And by running back one, I'm kind of talking fantasy football a little bit, but also just in general. Is he like a top-tier running back this year for the Chiefs and in the NFL? Um, I love Pacheco. I, I'm i going to sell. When, uh, when I saw that this was on the show tonight, I kind of looked at some very early – fantasy draft rankings it looks like he's about running back 25 on most boards this early um i mean i think that he will be the first back to get over a thousand yards in the mahomes era i just i've got some serious questions is he going to improve this year from what he was as a rookie? I think his stats will be better because he'll get more opportunity. There's three things that kind of have me concerned about, is he going to get a lot better this season? The first of all, I do think the tackle situation is better as far as keeping the quarterback, keeping the franchise, keeping the face of the league standing up. I do think that you might see a slight downgrade in the run game, especially, I mean, Orlando Brown was a very good run blocking tackle. I think everybody agrees on that. The other things is what would what would probably make Pacheco have the highest ceiling would be if he would get better at pass protection and as a receiver. Right now, he's rehabbing a broken hand. What two things can you probably not practice with a broken hand? Yeah, that's, that's a good way to look at it. And the other thing that kind of concerns me about is he going to get better, and this is a true unknown. I think the change is good. I think the Chiefs coaching staff was due for some change. A lot of experience with running backs went out the door with Eric Bieniemy and Greg Lewis. I mean, that's a lot of experience in the run game. You have a former Kansas running back, Connor Embry, who's now going to be coaching wide receivers. And the new running backs coach is a former NFL wide receiver who played for Andy Reid, Todd Pinkston, played for Andy Reid in Philadelphia. From what I've seen, um, his coaching resume before coming to the Chiefs as the running backs coach was he was the wide receivers coach at a uh, championship subdivision school. I'm not saying it can't work. Um, when Daenerys Prince spoke at rookie minicamp, he said that uh, coach Todd Pinkston was a big part of the reason why he chose Kansas City. It's just that that's a big unknown what's going to be a big season for how Pacheco's career goes. Yeah, the running back room is really interesting. I'm going to sell this as well. I do not view, like Isaiah Pacheco, I think he had a really nice ending to the year he was extremely important in that super bowl um there were just some really big plays that he made and he he's a perfect back for what the chiefs need hey right. run there fast that's that's really like hey this massive hole go run through it fast that's what he does i feel like personally there's not much that he does that's above what the you know they have those stats that are called like completion percentage over expectation if there was like a running version of that, like Isaiah Pacheco gets you every yard that you scheme for him and not a not a yard more. Like, yes, he is very physical, but he also has those plays where it's like, oh, uh, that was the hole. You you went the other way. And sometimes it works like the the big run in the Jags game with the Chad Henney one. That was like a broken play that he probably should have run somewhere else. But then he just bounced it outside and had the speed to get out there. Uh I, I just don't think that he has that RB1 potential because I think one we've already seen. He runs very physical. He's going to get hurt. Like that whole like jump up after getting like slammed down to the ground and sprinting back to the huddle. It, it's super exuberant and exciting, but I think that's going to have some wear and tear on his body. I think he's going to get hurt. 
I think they have someone who already replicates a skill set in generic prints. I think, you know, I, I just, I, I think the Chiefs are going, going to try to treat him like the RB1, like Andy Reid has done in the past. Like Andy kind of tends to write it back. Did it with McCoy back when he had him. Did it with Jamal Charles. Did it with Kareem Hunt when he was here. I think they're going to try to do that. Obviously, McKinnon's still going to be mixing in there on third downs. And then Clyde is just going to be the ultimate wild card as far as like if he could um, if he could do anything this year, this would, you know, it would be a good opportunity for him. He uh he might not dress, honestly. Um, when Dev Tubb spoke last week at Media Day, uh Daenerys Prince was the first person he named as a kick return candidate. It's always worth looking when Tobe talks about a player that 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 could be Prince's path to dressing at, and that would probably come at the expense of Clyde. Yeah, I think, you know, Clyde, I think we're going to know pretty quickly what's going on with Clyde at, at camp. Pete says that he looks pretty good as far as how he's been doing at camp or at OTAs looks thin, looks like he's doing well. But if he's not taking those snaps if, and he's not doing much with them. Um, you know, I, training camp's kind of a classic time for players like that to get moved for like conditional sevens or something like that. That's probably what you'd be looking at. I think Clyde will definitely get one more chance next year, no matter what, just given off his draft profile. Um, you know, his two quarterbacks have been Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes that, that that'll do something for your draft stock. Um, so I, I think he'll get one more chance, but yeah, I, I, I'm just not sure Isaiah Pacheco, like you're not done at running back in my opinion, especially when you've got an older Jarek McKinnon, a UDFA and generic Prince and a seventh round Isaiah Pacheco. She's can definitely stand to upgrade there with a healthy level of investment. All right, we're going to move on to reading the market. And this is just going to be really simple. We're just going to predict the 2023 stat line for these players. Obviously, uh, for some of these players, they're defensive, so we'll just kind of use their counting stats. Uh, this one, is, the first one is what I think is, might be the most interesting player. I think that there's a lot of variance here. Jared, what do you have for Sky Moore's 2023 stat line? I'm going to go with 630 yards receiving and five touchdowns. I think he will not put up the gaudiest of numbers, but I think those 630 yards are going to be really hard fought and really important. So I think it's going to be an underwhelming stat line that looks better when you watch the highlight tape. Yeah. I, you know, me and you are kind of in a similar place. Um, For me, I am going to predict that he has about 50 catches for about 550 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Just to like do a little limelight on why I picked that. Those numbers are almost exactly what Demarcus Robinson had in 2020 for the Chiefs, which I thought was probably his best year for the Chiefs. Different players, right, in the way that they win, the way that they um, where they're going to play and what they do. But I feel like their roles in the team could be similar. Like Demarcus Robinson was a guy who, when he got the ball, most of the times it was because Hill and Kelsey and whoever else were covered up, and he was kind of just the forgotten man. I feel like the when Tony is on the field, when Travis Kelsey's on the field, when there's, you know, MVS sky is going to have some opportunities to win one-on-one. And I feel like if he can provide that to the team and just be kind of um, honestly, win one-on-one and create space, I, I, you know, I thought about looking at Juju's numbers last year, but I just think Juju is a much more accomplished wide receiver at this point. I think Juju size did some things for the chiefs that sky Moore's not going to be able to do. And, you know, 20, 
last year I think was revealing a little bit too, just that where he was struggling at. So that's basically him doubling his output, but we're going to get to another player here in a little bit that will kind of illuminate why I think that, um, why I think that Sky Moore might not have as big of a year as some people are calling for. Next, we're going to move on to previously mentioned Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, what are you thinking for Isaiah Pacheco this coming year? I think he's going to barely cross over the thousand yard mark. Like I'm going to say 1,020 yards, which isn't as impressive as it used to be because you got 17 games now. Um, I'm going to say 1,020 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. I don't think he's going to do a whole lot more in the passing game than he did as a rookie. Uh, I'm going to give him 150 passing yards and two more touchdowns through the air. Yeah, I I'm I, I sit right at about 1,200 all-purpose yards. Um, I think he'll probably be a little bit better as a receiver this year than he was last year. If you go back and watch in the postseason, that was a big part of his game. So I've got him right at about like 250 receiving yards, and I think he'll be just under that thousand yard mark because I think, like I said, I, I think he's going to get hurt. Um, I think he might be going back to kind of the fantasy comparison there. I think he might be a good fantasy running back because I I think he's going to be the guy that they go to at the goal line, and maybe this is the year that the Chiefs can punch the ball in a little bit better at the goal line. Uh, but yeah, I I just again I think that. There's enough mouths to feed there. There's enough uncertainty there. And keep in mind, the Chiefs still have all their priors with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, too. So if Clyde does, for some reason, come out and look really good in camp, they're going to be more than happy to go back to him and kind of pat themselves on the back for that draft pick. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. We've been talking a lot of offense so far. How many sacks do you have for George Karloftis? I think this is going to I think this is going to be the fluke year that probably – he, I think this is going to be his big year that he's still talking about when he's up for a contract extension in a couple of years. Um, I'm, I'm going to go boom with George Karloftis this season. I'm, I'm going to give him 11 sacks. That's not so much that I think he's that great. I think he's a very good player. Um, Chris Jones tends to work in cycles, and I think so much attention is going to be made to making sure they're short up against Chris Jones. I think he's going to get a few more opportunities. I think this is going to be a boom season for him with so much focus elsewhere on the line. And I think he's going to have a really big second year that he might not ever replicate. Yeah, I, I, I'm i really excited about the whole defensive line this year. I think this, especially if you know they've been flirting around with Frank Clark again and Carlos Dunlap, if they bring one of those guys back, there's virtually no excuse for this pass rush. It's going to be the best pass rush the Chiefs have had. Uh, Chris Jones, George Koloftis, who there's just so many really exciting players with a lot of upside left. Uh, I've got him at 10. I, I think that uh, Ryan Fowler, who I met with with the Draft Network a couple of podcasts ago, um, we were talking about Karloftis, and he compared him to Ryan Kerrigan. Ryan used to be a scout for the Commanders, and um, I just I love that comparison. I just they, they feel like really similar players, the way that they win, how they win. And yeah, Carl Loftus just feels like that guy who's going to get like eight to 10 sacks every year and just be consistent and play a lot of snaps. And I, I like that a lot. And I think presenting what they have, and that's not even counting anything from BJ Thompson, the mismatches that they can generate on the line on the inside and the outside. I think Carl Loftus is just going to run into four or five of them, just, you know, literally just in pure effort. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think he, and he, a lot of really good things from him off the field this year as far as who he's working with, how he's training. He seems to be a guy who's really dedicated to the craft. He's been working with Tom Bahali, which is the comparison I've kind of always had for him. 
he's smaller than Holly, but the way that they play the effort and those type of things, that's, that's ideal for him. So I really like that comparison for him. Mm-hmm. Let's Ryan, do Ryan Kerrigan also go to Purdue and they're that connection too. I think he was also a Purdue product. Uh, I'm going to be uh, Ryan Kerrigan was drafted a little bit before I was following the draft. So I don't exactly remember. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that one. Uh, in the meantime, this is this one. We were talking about sky Moore. What do you have for Rasheed Rice in 2023? Um, I do think Rasheed Rice will do better than Sky Moore's rookie campaign. I think there will be more opportunity for him. Um, he's he's that bigger target that the Chiefs otherwise just do not have in the wide receiver room. I think it's a year where they're maybe going to start managing Travis Kelsey's snaps at certain times during the game more. I don't think he's going to have a monster season, but I'm going to give uh, Rasheed Rice 370 yards and three touchdowns. First off, you were right. With the 16th pick in the NFL draft, the Washington Commanders drafted Ryan Kerrigan out of Purdue in 2011. I was graduating high school then, so uh, I do not recall. But I was probably uh, good, watching it on TV. Good, good callback. Um, so here's my hot take. I, I have kind of come full circle on this. I, I really kind of uh, laughed through the tears a little bit with the Rasheed Rice pick at first. But um, just just from like talking to Ryan Fowler, um, the more I read, the more I watch, like I just feel like he was really misused at SMU as far as his skill set. I think he's got a lot of work to do. But I see a scenario that Rasheed Rice outperformed Sky Moore in 2023. Um, I think the skill set, the athleticism, all of it really lines up. And I, I just think that this really what it comes down to Rasheed Rice for me is I think one of his best skill sets is when a play breaks down his ability to stay friendly to the quarterback. And I just think that that's going to really pop with Mahomes. And one thing that's been really obvious with Pat is when he gets chemistry with someone, it really takes them a long ways. Even some of the smaller guys like Justin Watson is one of those players that he just kind of like hit it off with and OTAs and Jody Fortson's been that way too. And they um, just seem to, they just seem to stick. If, if 96 catches for 1,355 yards and 10 touchdowns is misusing him, then I sign me up for seeing him use the right way. I, he was dominant in a smaller school, right? Like the level of right. competition there. He, he easily could have been a division one athlete. He went to SMU because, because they've generated Emmanuel Sanders. They've generated Cole Beasley. They have a reputation with NFL wide receivers, but, not so much. I don't want to say he was misused like they were putting him on the bench or, right. but the way that he was used as far as a player, the contested catches that go up and get it, um, targeting, targeting him so far deep down the field. I feel like his skill set needs to be a lot more run after the catch um, and use some of his athleticism more. And I, I feel like honestly that Andy Reid's going to be able to utilize him. Like he, one thing that just sticks out in my mind so much is he, he compared himself to Deandre Hopkins and it's like, dude, you're you're six foot and two oh two. You're not DeAndre Hopkins. You're you're Brandon Ayuk. That that's who I have my comparison for him for. And I just think he can win on the inside and on the outside. He's gonna have speed, his cuts, his agility. I, I just I feel like especially with quarterback play, right? Like newsflash, Patrick Mahomes might be better than the SMU's quarterback. I just feel like they're gonna be able to put him in a position to use his skill set better than SMU did. And if, and if he's catching passes in training camp from a former SMU quarterback who he played with and caught touchdowns by in Shane Bouchelle, that, that, that will be a bad sign. Yeah, for sure. Kind of going back to the stat prediction um, for him, I'm thinking 
around 50 catches, 600, 650 yards, four or five touchdowns. So I'm calling for. So not a not a huge outpace for Sky Moore. That would definitely be kind of the best rookie wide receiver year we've had since probably from Andy Reid, probably since like Jeremy Macklin would be my guess. Well, um, if the Chiefs are trying to replicate the wide the way the wide receiver room helped win a Super Bowl, that that's a big season. Because yeah. the Chiefs' strategy was let's have a lot of people with a stat line along that. So if if Rasheed Rice has that, that's a slam dunk pick. Yeah, I, I think as far as receiving yards breakdown goes, I don't think that they're going to get quite the receiving production out of uh, Jarek McKinnon that they got last year. I think, you know, maybe you could consider a reasonable, a slight bump to MVS year two. No, um, no Juju Smith-Schuster. There's two on some reps. And again, we've talked about Kelsey. He seems to just be a lock for 11, 1200 yards every year. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that there's, you know, really the only person that they eliminated was 933 yards of Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Justin Watson had 315 yards. Uh, Noah Gray had 299. McCall Hardman had 297. I guess kind of the big outlier that we're not talking about is Kadarius Tony. And I mean, he's the true wild card, right? I mean, he could could play seven games. He could play 17. He could have 1,200 yards. He could have 120. Uh, we we just don't know. So um, it, it depends on what you think about him. I, I'm a little skeptical still, especially whenever he's been talked about as a uh, wide receiver one material and then. When Matt Nagy gets to the podium, all he talks about is how good he is with the ball in his hands. It's like uh, kind of kind of sounding somewhere between Dexter McCluster and McCole Hardman right now to me. Uh, last player is Felix Anaduke Uzama. What are you expecting from FAU in year one? So I believe George Karloftis ended his rookie year with six sacks. I think that he can maybe get five or six sacks, even if he's not playing as much as George Karloftis, because I think he I think he will get put on the field in some very advantageous situations, kind of like the two times that D Ford had really big sack numbers in Kansas City. It wasn't always that he was that great of a player. It's that they had him on the field when they had big leads and he kind of just feasted on quarterbacks who are desperately looking for a downfield target. Um I'm gonna say Felix gets five sacks as a rookie. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head for me. I'm right about that five or six sack range, too. I, I just don't think that he's going to see the, see the field. I think he will actually be a more productive pass rusher than Karloftis was because Karloftis, week one started, played a ton of snaps. Um, I think he will get he will be more productive in the sense of how many sacks he gets per snap that he plays. But yeah, I think right now, given the way that he was utilizing at K-State, you're probably looking at a guy who's predominantly playing those pass rush downs. Uh, they're probably going to have someone better for the edge than him against the run. Um, he's still a work in progress against the run. So yeah, I, I, I think like if you're getting 10, 11 sacks from George Carlottis, you're getting five or six from uh, from FAU. You feel really good if Frank Clark's there, Minahu, and Chris Jones about like, hey, this could be another year of being one of the top pass rush units in the NFL. So I, I'm just very excited about the defense as a whole. Um, I'm going to get to that in my closing bell opinion about the defense. But let's move on to our final section. This one's a little bit more rapid fire, and it's this or that. So my question to you is, Bills or Bengals, who is the bigger threat to the Chiefs defending the Super Bowl? Um. I think if you just look at the way the season ends, it ended, it, it's the Bengals. I think the Bengals, the Bengals looked like they were a major step ahead of the Bills, and 
I just don't see what the Bills have done that really looks like they're going to close that gap. There's also just some some rumblings of some discontent between Josh Allen and maybe his biggest weapon and Stephon Diggs. Um, I kind of a lot of people are really hyped that they signed Leonard Floyd. I kind of took that as maybe a sign that Von Miller might not play the first part of the season. The Bengals were still very close to they're right there with the Chiefs in the AFC title game. Uh, we laugh at them signing Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown is a better player than Jonah Williams at left tackle. I don't think that's really debatable. And Joe Burrow can get the ball out of his hand really fast if Orlando's having a bad day. Um, the Bengals all day long over the Bills. I'm actually going to disagree with you. Here's why. I think, I think the Bills last year had the world on their shoulders. They had a traumatic event happen to them. Uh, with the DeMar Hamlin situation, obviously I don't think DeMar Hamlin, Hamlin is the reason why they got absolutely smacked at home in the playoffs, but I don't think it helped. I think the Bills this year have made some changes that one of the, I think one of the most overrated or underrated t- things about their season last year was how bad their defensive strategy was. They have great players on that defense. And uh, Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, just plays this super static, off-the-ball, defensive, like, just let everything come to you, never let anything get over your head. And it works great for the post for the, for the regular season because they, they fatten up on bad, de- on bad teams and they just let their talent win. But then we've seen time and time again in the playoffs when they face a real quarterback, they get lit up. Changing him, having Sean McDermott call the defense, I think is going to be a big advantage. I love their draft. They went added Dalton Kincaid. I think that they can use Dalton Kincaid the way that he should be used and stop pretending that Dawson Knox is a receiving uh, as much of a receiving threat. And now he's like option number three or four for Josh Allen. I think that that's a great choice for them. I like the Leonard Floyd signing. Osiris Torrance was a huge upgrade for them at guard. I, I like their draft a lot. And I think the Bengals, part of what they had built on defense was hey, we've got a great defensive coordinator and we're just going to you know, fatten up on these free agents here and that money's drying up fast and I don't feel nearly as confident about the back end of their defense as I did before. Their pass rush is another year older. Yes, I know that they added Miles Murphy, but he's very much a work in progress. He's very similar to what FAU is to the Chiefs this year as far as a prospect goes. Um, I just, you know, I don't think that their defense is going to be as strong. Yes, we know that Joe Burrow is going to be throwing the ball to three great weapons. I don't know what their running game has in store for them. I liked who they I, – I can't remember if, if which running back they drafted. I'll have to go look real quick. They drafted a running back that I liked this year, um, but I, I don't really consider Joe Mixon like a big threat at this point. I don't know. I just think that this is the year that everyone's like, oh, it's, it's the Bengals and the Chiefs again, and everyone's going to forget about the Bills. It kind of reminds me of how the Chiefs kind of got written off in 2019. Everyone was talking about how great the Ravens were, and I think the, Bengals, the Bills are going to s- sneak up and maybe – I don't know. I think they might sneak up and uh, either go to the AFC championship and knock off the Bengals or, you know, contend with the Chiefs for the AFC and the Super Bowl. Bills have a tougher division this year than I think the AFC East has been in a long time. Yeah, and, and that's part of what – that's kind of what reminds me of it a little bit, of the Chiefs. It's like, oh, everyone's talking about Russell Wilson coming to the AFC West and everything. And, like, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, it was it was the 
Chiefs all along. It was the Bills all along. It was their division. You know, Chase Brown, that's who it was out of Illinois, Sidney Brown's brother uh, for the Bengals. Yeah, I think, I think like he might be their starting running back by week seven or eight. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, another this or that. More likely to challenge the Chiefs in the AFC West. Chargers or Broncos? I, I got a lot of respect for Sean Payton, but I don't. Until Russell Wilson shows otherwise, I, I think Russell Wilson's toast. Uh, it's got to be the Chargers. I, I I don't think Sean Payton can fix that. Man, I the Chargers roster is like Jenga at the final stages. Like They, they are just one or two blocks away from that thing coming tumbling down. They have so much money invested in so many older aging players that they are relying on to stay healthy. And if I'm going to pick, like, let's take Chargers offense, Chargers defense, Broncos offense, Broncos defense. The best unit out of those four units is the Broncos defense, in my opinion. They've got another good defensive mind coming in. Um, the guy from guy from the Cardinals used to be head coach. Can't remember his name. Uh, he's the new uh, defensive coordinator. They've got they've dramatically upgraded their offense just straight up by adding Sean Payton. I don't think Russell Wilson is this bad. I don't think that the disparity in offensive talent between the Chargers and the Broncos is that great outside of quarterback. We can we can acknowledge that the gap is huge between Herbert and Russell Wilson. To me, the only way that you say the Chargers are just definitively better than the Broncos this year is if you just think that was the real Russell Wilson and he's done and he's cooked, which might be true, right? It, it might be true. There's plenty of evidence supporting that it's true. I I just not sure I fully believe that. And I think two through 53, the Broncos are the better roster. Um, I'm, I'm not in crazy about their weapons, but I, I like Dulcich. They're getting Tim Patrick back. I think Jerry Judy has been used incorrectly for years. I think Cortland Sutton's a good go up and get it guy. Javante Williams tore every alphabet letter in his knee, ACL, PCL, MCL, whatever. But when he does count on seeing him this year. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if he was going to play. So that's true. And, but I, and I'll think it, it was relatively late in the season. Uh, yeah, it was like midseason, right? I think, uh, and I think they're going to bring back. They might bring back Dalton Dalton Reisner too. He's he's like still sitting out there as a, as a free agent, and I, I that surprises me. Um, they did obviously spin at the right tackle with McGlinchey, um, and they're going to get Garrett Bowles back too. And that defense is is going to be really good this year. So I don't know. I, I I think it could. I think it could be one. I think the AFC West might actually be surprisingly easy this year. Like it might just be when you're two games against the Chargers and you're fine. But it also wouldn't surprise me if it's actually the Broncos that challenge the Chiefs a little bit more this year. But we will see. This one, um, who plays more snaps this year? 
Drew Tranquil, Willie Gay. Um, Drew Tranquil played 93% of the Chargers defensive snaps on on a unit that really came up big down the stretch when their season looked done. I don't think he came to Kansas City. I know he said that they haven't assured him of anything, but based on their careers, I think Drew Tranquil has been a better player than Willie Gay Jr. I think um, I actually think Drew Tranquil's here to maybe eat into a little bit of Nick Bolton's snap count because I don't think you can play Nick Bolton every snap and expect his career to last super long. I think you're going to see Drew Tranquil as that dime linebacker alone on third down a lot. I I, I think Drew's going to get more snaps than Willie. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably where I am as well, too. I do think I like what this might do for Willie Gay. Willie Gay is just like he's a great like kind of like joker in the defense, right? Like he looks pretty good rushing the passer. looks pretty good chasing down a back. looks pretty good in coverage. But he just seems to like he struggles when he has to think. When he starts have, having to think, it seems to be where where he struggles. It, it, I think it'll be interesting to see what Spagnuolo can do with him as far as like see ball, get ball. And just use that athleticism. He had some patch rush snaps that looked really good in the playoffs this year. Um, obviously, he's not like Micah Parsons, but I do think like him just kind of being a wild card of the defense could be interesting uh, because he can kind of do a little bit of everything. But yeah, I think like Drew doesn't Drew Tranquil just scream like guy that Steve Spagnolo will like latch oh. on to. I mean, he's basically like linebacker version Dan Swordson, right? Like. If you told me like week four that she's extended true tranquil for three years, I'd be like, yep, that, that sounds about right. Which honestly, um, honestly might not be the worst thing because one thing we'll, we'll need to start talking about really soon is like, Hey, the Chiefs can't go and pay Nick Bolton a lot of money. And yes, I know you, you're a Mizzou alumni. So you hate me for saying that, but like they shouldn't pay a linebacker period, even if it is Nick Bolton and he's Mizzou made or whatever. Right. So, and yes, Nick Bolton's made a lot of big plays and he was, they, they probably don't win the Super Bowl without him. Right. But at the end of the day, you pay someone for what they're going to do, not what they've done. Um, I probably, when it, the time comes, would not be in favor of giving a big contract to Nick Bolton. But that that's a time where I expect the Chiefs are probably going to disagree with me because I do think – I think they see him as a defensive cornerstone. And I've looked it up for a piece I wrote recently. I think he met, he was off the field for like – 21 defensive snaps all season oh yeah and, they and they two love of those two of those came off of defensive touchdowns like yeah like he was off the field for one snap getting water after Jalen Watson's big interception return where the defense had been on the field for so long and then he just went right back out yeah they they love him he's on the cover of you know everything right there next to Pat and Travis he's and he, I mean you think about this team and just what linebacker means to the defense Steve Spagnuolo takes over. They go overpay for Anthony Hitchens. They've thrown three day two picks at the linebacker position and then add in Drew Tranquil, Damian Wilson. Like they, they very clearly value the position and what it means to them. So yeah, I, I can certainly see it. And I'm old enough to remember Brett Veach's first draft that nobody talks about. And he used a third round pick on linebacker Dorian O'Daniel from Clemson. Drew Tranquil can be who everybody thought Dorian O'Daniel was going to be when Steve Spagnuolo took over. Brother, there's a reason why no one talks about that draft. Oh, <laughs> yeah, clearly. I but think when, I, when yeah. Spagnuolo came, that was a player like, well, he compares to these these linebackers on the Giants. This is going to be great. Drew Tranquil is the player who's going to take that role. Yeah, for sure. I the linebacker obsession is real for them. Um, 
Let's this one. Unfortunately, I feel like this has to be said. Last one. Who's starting week one for the Broncos? Is it Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably going to be Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, oh, or, this or, or that or them. Yeah, right. I the Raiders owner is cheap, They're, and by professional sports owner standards, uh, Mark Davis and his ownership group has always been considered poor by sports owner standards. I think that's why you see him selling a portion of the team to Tom Brady. I don't. I believe. I don't think Tom Brady is going to seriously entertain that, mainly because. He's made his money putting him. He's he's made his Super Bowls by always being in the perfect situation to win a Super Bowl. I don't think he's going to go from the experience of Tampa Bay last year and say, "Let's sign up for this." It's yeah. I mean, I for one, I understand the physical situation and what happened with Jimmy G, but yeah, I think they're more likely to go with Aiden O'Connell than they would be Tom Brady. I just I just think, like you said, Brady's done this thing. Like he's you know he's had his years with. New England, where he kind of was the whole team and the defense struggled. Then he had his years that he was carried by a defense. Uh, I don't think that he wants to sign up for that to play on the opposite side of that defense and that division, you know, and there's some players like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. I think that they're arrogant enough that they would have come to the AFC West or did come to the AFC West. And just like, oh, Herbert and Mahomes, it's fine. I'm I'm good. I'm good enough that that doesn't make a difference. Tom Brady is smart enough now to think legacy and be like, you know what? I'm not sure I want to sign up for Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes six games a year. That's crazy, you know? But I do think there's a good chance the Raiders are going to take the out on uh, Jimmy G's contract. If- as well as well, they should. They should. What a- what a great skeleton of an offense to plug Drake May, Caleb Williams, or whoever in. They should absolutely tank this year and try to get into there. Even if, like, you know, if Quinn Ewers has a good year or something like that, Michael Penix, like, they could they could be on QB three or four and still have the great skeleton of an offense to really, you know, they should consider, like, moving on from Josh Jacobs if he's, you know, available at the trade deadline. He so, hasn't signed yet. Yeah, so, like, they should they should tank. Um yeah. Josh Jacobs might be that running back on the franchise tag who might say, I'm going to wait to sign this until training camp and see if somebody gets hurt and see if, see yeah. if I can swing a last and, minute trade. And who knows? It's one thing we don't talk about enough is like the pressure of being in a new market. The golden Knights look like they're primed to win the Stanley cup. Maybe like they just feel like they don't have a window that they can be that hands off in it's, a new market, but we'll see. It's such a weird market, though, because any Raiders game you watch, and I think it's always going to be that way. It's, the stadium's always going to be half opposing fans. It's weird because the Raiders are a massive fan base, but I agree. In Las Vegas, I don't know how strong their pull is. And with that, we're going to have the closing bell, the stock stock exchange, which means it's time for our final closing statement. One undisputed Chiefs opinion. It can be a hot take. It can be not hot take. Maybe it's just something you want to get off your chest. Maybe it's something that you've been holding in for a while. Mine is, I came to this realization today, and I think it's true. Uh, 49ers fans are going to light me up for this. I think the Chiefs might have the deepest, maybe not the best, but the deepest linebacker room in the NFL with where it is right now. I think they have four really good linebackers and i'm not sure there's a lot of teams that go four deep at linebackers where it's like hey this person can start you know and i dre greenlaw and uh fred warner are definitely better than nick bolton and willie gay but nick bolton willie gay drew tranquil and leo chanel i love that for the chiefs and i i just don't think that anyone's really talking about like leo chanel is the fourth guy in that 
and you go back and watch the Super Bowl, he had some really great plays. I mean, he he covered Dallas Gardner about as good as you can, and Dallas Gardner just made a freak catch, like clamping the ball onto uh, Chanel's hands and somehow still coming down with it. So I, I'm really excited about where that is for the Chiefs, and I, I don't think enough people are talking about how solid this linebacker room is. Oh, I totally agree. I think when you see that Chiefs 53-man roster – I think there's only going to be four linebackers on it. I think they're going to go with those four guys. I think they'll maybe load up the practice squad so they have three promotions per player anytime they need a fifth linebacker. But I I think that's where they're going to find roster space for other positions where they need more bodies at because those four are so good. And Leo Chanel is a great special teams player too and just seems to be that guy who doesn't care where he's on the field as long as he gets to hit somebody. Jared, what about you? What is your closing bell opinion? Um, it's Justin Ross season again, and Price isn't old enough to remember when the Chiefs were on hard knocks, but I, I'm old enough to remember Bobby Scipio's season, who just became a star because everybody loved him on hard knocks. I think they figured out during the show that he and Dwayne Bowe were actually cousins, and that was revealed on the show. It was a heartwarming story, but Bobby Scipio just built this reputation he just didn't really deserve. Justin Ross is building this reputation right now because we see him running around in shorts. He's never done a padded practice with the Chiefs. And if you look back to his, I think that the narrative is becoming like Paul Bunyan-like, that he was this can't-miss top-five prospect before the injury. Everybody is looking at this two-game stretch where he dominated Notre Dame and dominated Alabama in the 2018 college football playoffs. If you go back and just look at his game logs, those are major outliers for the rest of his Clemson career. It's not that he's a bad player. He was a good player. And Clemson definitely had a lot of mouths to feed because that national title team, it also had Hunter Renfro. Um, Amari Rogers has not been a good pro, but he was a good college player. He had T Higgins on that team. It's just, I think the hype really just needs to slow down on Justin Ross. Let him maybe be what he can be. But I think people are really just starting to overlook what a tall path he has to, to get on the roster. Yeah, I I just come back to the, the Brian Windhorse meme. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? Why would the Chiefs hype up Justin Ross and Patrick Mahomes hype them up as much as they do via social media and in press conferences if he truly was this great? If he's this great weapon that nobody's talking about, I mean, I don't know, maybe... maybe Peter Schrager's like, talking about him. Yeah, yeah, I just, why? Why would they, if he's this great weapon that they just like somehow have won the lottery with, wouldn't you want to keep that on the DL? So that way, like, oh, it's the UDFA that's trying out there. Screw it. And then it's like, oh, he's actually great. Like, that would be mm-hmm. a fantastic kind of like surprise beginning to the season that he's running out there making plays. And yes, eventually it would get out like in preseason and training camp. But it just, it doesn't make sense to me that they would, like, I. it's just, I feel like honestly they're feeding into it a little bit. And you're right. He has he has a long way to make the roster because he's probably not playing special teams. And you can at least pencil in wide receiver five or six to be playing special teams for the Chiefs. And I mean, I think that his path to make the roster, he has to show that he is so indispensable for the roster that you're okay risking Kadarius Tony's health or putting Sky Moore on punt returns. Like that that's the the bar he has to clear. For sure. He is Jared Sapp. He is an excellent contributor for Arrowhead Pride. Jared, thank you for joining us on the NFL Stock Exchange. Uh, where, 
what are, what are you working on right now? Where can we find your most recent work? The off season has just been so busy because, you know, our off season started three weeks later and it's just been one thing right into another. Um, the AP news team is going to, is going to be covering the chief's next media appearance on Thursday this week from OTAs. And then next week we'll have coverage of all three days of the team's mandatory mini camp. I think we'll all be interested if a certain defensive tackle is there or not, but we'll all be covering that on on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday next week. Awesome. I am still working on my roster series where I'm kind of breaking down the Chiefs' entire roster, categorizing it into different buckets, and looking at how many you know, blue chips do they have, cornerstones. That's coming out one piece at a time, week by week. So you can find all of our work on Arrowhead Pride. Thanks for tuning in to the Chiefs' Stock Watch. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.